0: Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Butterfly Kisses. I am your host Amy Gray Cunningham and today I am joined by Reverend Roger Butts who has been an ordained minister for the past 20 years. He is with the Unitarian Universalist Church and today we are going to hear a little bit about his story of spirituality and how he's become a minister and what his life has been like on the road for spirituality and transformation. So, Please help me welcome Mr. Reverend Roger Betts.
1: Hello. Hello. I'm really glad to be with you today. Thank you for joining us. I'm coming from um, Colorado Springs at the base of Pikes Peak, and I am delighted to be with you. My people are from North Carolina, and it's just an honor to be with you today, Amy.
0: I am so glad you're joining me, so thank you for taking the time out today to speak with us and share your story, and we are so Glad and welcome to have you here. Thank you. So tell us a little bit about how you got started on your road for spirituality and what led you to writing your book, Seeds of Devotion. Love that cover. Awesome.
1: And um, I, listen, I, I grew up, I didn't grow up Southern Baptist, but I grew up with Southern Baptist in the Midwest it was about as close to Southern Baptist as you could be. So when the church doors were open, we were, uh, we were in church. That meant Sunday night, Sunday morning, Wednesday night. I had great friends in my youth group and still have friends from that youth group because of the miracle of Facebook and so on. But when I got to college, I went to Appalachian State, which is up the road from you, up on a mm-hmm. mountain top up there. I started reading Garcia Marquez and I started reading James Joyce, and my roommate was gay. The one that, you know, my roommate was um, not my first roommate who hated me, but my second roommate who liked <laughs> me a lot. And um, he was gay. So all this stuff that I had t- been taught was like being exploded by real life experiences and by my reading. And so, in, in Boone, you know, up on that mountain, I was either going to be Quaker or Episcopalian or UU because those were the groups that were fighting for justice in my town. And so I went on a search and I, I ended up in a UU church where there was a Unitarian Universalist church where there had been a, a, a breach of trust there had been a minister who misbehaved and they were so honest about it. So forthcoming, so real about it. They didn't hide it in shame. They didn't hide it in guilt. They were just like, we got some work to do and that person has some work to do. You know, the minister wasn't there anymore, obviously, like, because he was wealthy. You, you, I think he went to like Costa Rica or something and and with his, (laughs) with his new beloved. So, They they had this crunchy old Boston guy who was overweight and loved Shakespeare and the Red Sox and God, but nobody knew in which order, you know? And, (laughs) And then the next year they had this guy who was informed by Taoism. He was like really sort of Eastern and quiet and mystical and had been a scientist. And so I was like, this seems cool. And I became a UU moved to DC to work on Capitol Hill. But even when I was on Capitol Hill, I was like hanging out with Catholic workers and like dumpster diving and listening to the Barragans. So I, I went to seminary to find out my, my big question was, how do communities of faith, whether they're this or that or anything, live out their deepest values in the direction of human dignity and human rights? That was my big question. And I've been at it since.
0: You got it. Have you had it answered yet?
1: Oh no, no, no no. But Have I you- do love I do love those congregations, whether they're big or small, that want to lift up an image that counteracts um, loneliness, disconnection, that want to counteract the idea of capitalism, want to counteract the idea that we're like competing against each other and fighting against each other and lift off a vision of a beloved community where all can flourish my wife is a minister and um, yesterday she's a united church of christ minister a congregationalist and yesterday for palm sunday she had a drag queen preach because when jesus enters into jerusalem on that little donkey with his band of like misfits and outcasts, and is cheered on by misfits and outcasts. You know, those were the equivalent of queer people, of immigrants, of, of so on. So, this drag queen was like, We're going to make a triumphal entry into self acceptance and love and beloved community. It was beautiful. So, that's what I do.
0: That's awesome. That's awesome. Now, that's how. Awesome. How has your view of spirituality changed since first going into being ordained 20 years later?
1: Yeah. Oh, it's shifted a lot. You know, I have become more involved with silence. I have been more involved with contemplation, centering prayer. And, you know, when I first... When I first got into ministry, because of my own stuff, because of my own stuff, I wanted, I wanted religion to be part of um, solely human rights work, solely social justice work. And as I've grown up and matured, and you know, so on, I've I've come to see that it's a it's a you need two feet to walk, one around social justice and human rights and all that, but another one where you're just really in deep prayer and deep silence and um, and just communing with your, your essential self and that part where it's only known to you and God. And so I've become much more quiet, much more contemplative. And chaplaincy helped me with that a lot because you gotta, you gotta own your shit if you're gonna be a chaplain. You gotta know what's gonna trip you up. You gotta know what's going to cause you to melt down. And you really have to have humility and self-awareness, humility and self-awareness. And so I've become less assured of answers, less assured of what the right path is, and more curious and open uh, and, and silent.
0: What was it like for you being a hospital chaplain when you're in in an atmosphere where so many people are coming from many different walks of life? I mean, did you go into a, a hospital room where there was maybe a Buddhist or oh, someone yeah. who was Jewish or I mean, how would you interact with so many different faiths?
1: Well, because what you have to do is not impose your stuff on them. You have to um, find out from them what their story is, how they're defining it, where they're finding meaning, where they're finding purpose, where they're finding hope, and whatever their religion or not, you know, more often than not, the people I interacted with had no religion at all because it's just a different time now. And my job is to help them identify the resources, the resiliency, the hope inside of them, so that whether, whatever their metaphor for God, whatever their poetry for God, that they can see um, how they've survived difficult times, how they've come through tough times, and where their hope is, whether they're going to live or die or anything else, right? Where their hope is, where their meaning is and what resources they, and it's true when you walk into Michael's or whatever, you know, the little hobby shop and you see the little plaque that says faith, family and friends. I mean, that's, that's it. Like Michael's has it like there's like <laughs> you've got it figured out. That's what I heard over and over and over again was like the 85 year old woman telling me about her great love and life. And, um, and the old man telling me about his kids and you know it's just um pretty simple at the end of the day but everybody's story is different and unique the the blessing of chaplaincy is that you get to hear these things so in COVID when I was a chaplain with COVID I remember the very and and a lot of the book is 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 around that work of being a chaplain during COVID time. I remember the first time I encountered a uh, COVID death. It was early. It was the second person who died in in my county in Colorado. And um, it was early on. And I will say that, you know, people ask me, where did you see God in all of this? Where did you see the holy in all of this? and at midnight this woman walks into a room where her husband is face down because early on they thought if you could be face down your lungs would be um, relieved a little bit and he's face down and they knew that as soon as they turned him over he was going to die it was just the end of his life and so the nurse lovingly putting on that protective equipment for that wife knowing, everybody knowing that this was the last time she was going to see her husband alive and lovingly taking it off an hour later and as a chaplain helping her with the paperwork and so on, praying with her, talking with her. I saw God in that nurse lovingly putting on that protective equipment. That was the holy for me. And a a lot of the book is about stuff like that.
0: That must have been... Going through all of that. Wow. <laughs>
1: it was powerful. It was a blessing. Yeah. You know? It was a how, nice, nice blessing.
0: How did you help people go through knowing knowing that they, they weren't going to make it out alive? How did, how did you help them transition from one state into another state? One room into the next room.
1: (laughs) Uh, Well, I mean, um,
0: what was that like for you?
1: It's the it's it's a great privilege. You know, it's a great blessing. And really, because I worked in a hospital and, you know, bigger hospital, a lot of the people that I saw at the very end of their life were either on a vent and in a coma or morphined up, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, some of them weren't but I was engaged with their family at that point. So some of them would want to hear a Psalm, for instance, or some of them would want to say the Lord's Prayer. Some of them, like a Buddhist, I I, I remember a Buddhist guy. He was like, well, I'm not gonna make it out of this. And I said, yeah, it doesn't look like it. And um, I said, you know, what's on your mind? What's on your heart? And if you shut up long enough, people will tell you. If you make it about yourself, people are gonna be like, I'm you know, what do I need to share anything about? So the idea is to is to both be present and not take up too much space. That's the dance. Because if you want somebody to talk, you gotta shut up. And if you um if you find that they're hygiene or their overweightness or their whatever gets in your little brain and you start judging them, the gig is up. So the, the the key is to go in there with as much compassion and curiosity and courage as possible.
0: Who do you think God is? Well,
1: who do I think God is? What do I think God is? When my kids were growing up, you know, now they're 19 and 18 and 15. But I remember when the two older ones were growing up, we asked them that question. And one said, God is love. And we were like, yeah. And one said, God is the earth. And we were like, yeah. And so, some combination of that. What I, what I think is the, the mystics help us to know that whatever God is, God can be found inside of us and in all things whether those things are shitty or good or whatever judgment we bring and what i try to do what i've come to this is what i've come to is that i try to see in the face of the other the revelation of god so whether it's buddy your dog or gracie my dog or somebody who's like annoying the pee out of me or somebody who I agree with a thousand percent, no matter what. And so Emmanuel Levinas, I write about him in the book too. He was a Jewish philosopher, 20th century. His, His family died in the Holocaust. What he says is the face is a revelation of God before we can make any judgment, before we can make any category, before we can make any thought, we know deep in our bones, deep in our bones, before we can do anything, that we have been implanted with the idea, because of the face of the other, implanted with the idea that we know the first principle, which is do not kill. Do not kill. Thou shalt not kill. And I and I try to live by that. Not that I'd kill somebody, but even you know do no harm you know mm-hmm. you want to hear a little poem that i wrote about chaplaincy
0: yes let's hear right. it
1: so this so my book is um a story and then kind of a prayer and then kind of a reflection questions so this is this is a story after i um encountered this woman on the fourth floor on a Friday night, the nurse called and said, hey, Roger, this this woman is in there. She's gonna go to hospice in a couple of days. She is old and her family has left to go home to get some rest. And she's in there, she's a little bit um, confused. And so I, I go up there and I was like, of course I'll come. And before I go into the, into the room, he says to me, the nurse says, you know, she's just in there saying the Lord's Prayer over and over again, you know? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And sure enough, she was like, she wasn't really cognizant, but she's just sort of whispering this. So I was like, I know that prayer. I can do that, you know? So I hold her hand. She doesn't know I'm there and she's just going on. And then she gets to the end and somehow she wakes up enough to notice me. And she says, oh dear, I seem to have forgotten the ending, but thank you, God, for everything. And I was like, oh, you know, just crying my <laughs> eyes out. So this is the prayer that I put at the end of that story. And it's not really a prayer, but it's kind of a prayer. It's prayerful. This is about chaplaincy. First walk gently, you're entering into the great mystery, sorrow, regret, anger, grief, relief, you never know what you'll find. You may as well walk gently into that room which will likely be dark and quiet. Second, talk gently. The dead dream and the survivors do too. They're in a fog or out to sea or in the deep woods. Pick your image, but talk gently. That mystery will one day be you and yours. Third, act gently. Your gentleness will invite whatever needs to happen to happen. If at all possible, make it so the wife, husband, mother, child, hardly knows you're there. Listen gently. Listen with your eyes and your ears and mostly your heart. The stories will come, be there to hear them. Stories remind the wife that she is still alive and is alone and not alone all at once. Be the spirit or Jesus or Muhammad or the Buddha, pick your guide and be that person. Mary, Dorothy Day, Thomas Merton, it doesn't matter. Of course, you are the best option. So be you in all of your quirky, unexpected unexpected beautiful flawed perfect essence beautiful thank you so that's what i do
0: so you get to be you
1: no i mean god light (laughs) your candles light your candles (laughs) i get get to be be me me and all my quirky unexpected self and that's the i mean that's the goal for everybody right that's the goal for everybody. There's a goodness at the heart of all creation from which we are born, in which we live our fullest, to which we shall at last return. And that goodness is at the heart of all creation. And if we can live out of that goodness, we'll, 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 we'll make a better world.
0: What would you tell people about why bad things happen to good people? If there is such a thing as God. Just saying.
1: I I would just say theodicy, which is like, why does evil exist in the world where there's a God? That theodicy is an open wound and there's no explanation. There's no logical uh, pathway. And that every situation is an opportunity to learn and to grow in wisdom and spirit and that, you know, the bumper sticker has it right, you know, stuff happens. And uh, there's just not, like, you can spend your whole life, you know, and I know a number of people who do, trying to explain evil, but it's just not very explainable, and it's just something we have to, to live with. So what's happening in Ukraine, the Holocaust, you know, what happened in... Um Rwanda, all of that, in the face of all of that, you have to choose love and you have to choose um, connection and, 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 it, and it sucks it's hard. you know the fact that your 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 mom's gonna die, your dad's gonna die, your loved one's gonna die. you want to hear a funny story about that? I
0: would love to hear a funny story about that.
1: So my favorite, my favorite moment in ministry, and I've had some good moments in ministry, but my favorite moment in ministry is I was the minister of a church here in Colorado Springs, and we did a whole year series where we would have uh, a guest for a potluck from a different religion. So like humanists, Buddhists, Christians, Jews, Muslims, all of it. And um, this imam came, and he was you know the head of the Muslim community, and he was a friend of mine. He's a good guy, you know. I I was with a very diverse, but mostly humanist congregation, and you know sometimes they could be a little um, curmudgeonly, you know, a little cranky, <laughs> and so, but these potlucks were great, and then we would spend Sundays like thinking about the themes from these things, right? So of course the Christian came to, in December because our, our, our main squeeze Jesus was, was born in December, supposedly, <laughs> but you know, it was, it was fun. But the Muslim guy came, the Imam came and in the potluck, you know, we'd eat together. And then afterwards the, the person would say, this is why I'm Christian, or this is why I'm Jewish, or this is why I'm Muslim. And so, and you know, this is what I love about it and blah, blah, blah. And then there would be Q and A and there's this old woman in the back. And she's just like curmudgeonly old woman cranky, doesn't believe any of this religious stuff, you know, but loves her community, raises her hand. mom, thank you for being here. I want to know about these thousand virgins. And so, what's up with that? And he's and he's trying to be nice, you know, trying to connect and be nice. And um, he's, oh no, you know, no. We think that you'll be reunited with your loved one, your spouse, in in the great beyond. And she says, oh no, <laughs> she she was she was looking for a little bit of a upgrade in <laughs> the great beyond. So anyway, that's my favorite, that's my favorite ministry story.
0: That's hysterical.
1: Is that funny? So so my point is no matter what, whether you're a chaplain or a minister or a seeker or a finder, you can't take stuff too seriously because um, heartache happens and life is going to get you and you're not going to make it through. And we don't know what's beyond, but right now we can choose love and that's, that's all I'm here to to help people discover.
0: Why do you think we have so many different religions?
1: Oh, because metaphors abound. I mean, like, you know, my, my colleague, my friend, Meg Riley, has a sermon called Metaphors Be With You. You get it? Like, may the force be with you, metaphors be with you. I love it. <laughs> I know, isn't that great? Um, because like my love language, you know, my my God language, is going to be different than yours and um and so um having muhammad go on his night journey which is also in this book and um discovering allah and just meeting with allah and doing um doing all that is um is a great metaphor and having jesus triumphant entry into jerusalem and and telling those disciples like Once I called you student, but now I call you beloved. Um, All those different metaphors, Moses leading those folks out of Egypt, like that's a, those are great metaphors. So we can't get to there. We can't get to the ultimate answer, but these metaphors invite us into curiosity and connection. And if we we can stay humble and self-aware, then we can know that our metaphors are good for us, but don't need to be imposed on anybody else's ass. You know, like you do your <laughs> metaphor, I'll do mine, and let's let's learn from each other.
0: What do you think our purpose is for incarnating in this in this world? I mean, just to just be and then die and sure back again or
1: i don't think we come that i think we just become little dust i mean i think the episcopalians got that right dust to dust ashes to ashes right i i love i i do love ash wednesday i don't i don't know i, I our purpose is to um is to grow in wisdom and spirit and to become as much like our metaphors as we can you know that. When Jesus says, love your neighbor and love your, love your God and love your neighbor and love yourself. I think that's pretty much it. You know, when Jesus says, love your enemy, you know, then you're like, oh, shoot. Oh, shoot. This is harder than I thought it would be. Right now, I think we've in this, in this current incarnation and many of our previous incarnations we have in America and the United States. We have um, really forgotten that uh, love your enemy stuff. you know that in a democracy there's no enemies. there's there are people who see differently, but there are no enemies in a democracy. and we have forgotten that.
0: What are some ways that we can start loving our enemies? Yeah.
1: You know what Byron Stevenson says you know the guy who is the anti- death penalty activist who like decided to go to law school because it was the easiest pre graduate school exam to get into he uh, he decided and he got into harvard you know he's like okay brilliant guy but he says proximity proximity is everything proximity is everything so if i can encounter somebody who is mormon like i don't know any, i don't know much about mormons if I can encounter them and stay open and say, what, what, what's a Mormon? What is, what is a Latter-day Saint? And just be curious and courageous about asking the question and being with them. Then I'll learn, you know, I'll learn about them. If, um, you know, proximity makes it very hard to hate somebody. And so I think proximity is the key. And that means putting ourselves in situations where we get outside our bubbles, where we get outside our own stuff. And listen, you know, I could listen to liberals all day because I'm a liberal, you know? I can listen to liberals like from sun up to sundown because I know which channels to go to and I know which people to listen to and I know which podcasts to listen to. And I know, you know, but I want to be with like, Folks who are very different. Like the other day, I was on a podcast with a guy who was like, I don't know, from Jersey and a cop and, and like probably a Republican. And, um, <laughs> and, and we just hit it off, right? I mean, like, I don't have to, I don't have to agree with his politics to hit it off with somebody. If I see within everybody a revelation of God, then, it's hard to kill them. It's hard to break their kneecaps. It's hard to, you know, shun them. So I don't, I mean, that's what I come up with. What do you think, Amy Cunningham Gray?
0: <laughs> oh, I think the same thing. Uh, because, but for the grace of God, there go I. So, right.
1: Yeah. Right. I mean, it's like we're all screwed. We're all, we're all Meshigana, you know? You know that it is word? Crazy. Yeah. We're all crazy. We might as well embrace each other's craziness.
0: Yeah. Everybody's a mirror for me.
1: Oh yeah, that's good. Oh, that's mm-hmm. good.
0: Yeah.
1: Oh, that's good. You should write a book.
0: <laughs> Maybe one day.
1: <laughs> you should write a book. Yeah. Um, I want to hear. So I want to hear all your stories. God, I spoke a lot. Would you like to hear a blessing before we end?
0: I would love to hear a blessing, yes.
1: And your readers or your yes. readers. Look, look how 19th century I am. All your listeners. This is for you and all your listeners. Yes. This is a prayer after um, my my telling of the death of the Buddha. You know. Death
0: of the Buddha, okay.
1: When everybody's looking at the Buddha like, what are we, wait, you can't die? What are we supposed to do now? You can't die? Like what you can't leave us? and the buddha's like i've done my thing go and I'm make yourself a light go and make yourself a light you know Ooh. here's my prayer after that may life surprise you today may a sense of grace come out of nowhere in the middle of your daily tasks may a sense of peace find you in the unlikeliest of places may a sense of courage and renewal find you may god's love surround you and may a gentleness a returning quietness, and a restoring stillness be with you now and always. A restorative wholeness is yours to claim and embrace, and may faith, hope, and love be your constant companions. God bless your day,
0: amen. That's awesome, thank you. You are awesome. Well, I have one final question for you before we end. Yeah. Well, two, two final questions. The first one is, and I ask all the guests this, if you were to sit on a park bench with someone and that person be alive or dead, and you had an hour to sit and talk with them, who would it be and what would you talk about?
1: (laughs) Um, So many people in my dinner party, but right now I'd probably (laughs) say the poet Carl Sandburg. You know, I just really love Ah. Carl Sandburg. He grew up in the same town as I did. Really?
0: he
1: uh, You yeah, Didn't know that. Yellsburg, Illinois. Awesome. And, um, he was. He was. Um, he was feisty. You know, he was feisty, and he was funny, and I like his poetry because it's just plain language. So I'd probably talk to Carl Sandburg today. Would you ask but him? I'd ask him about his poetry. I'd ask him about his socialist organizing. I'd ask him about his lifelong, he became a, he was awarded a lifelong membership to the NAACP for his writings. He's just a great guy. I'd just be like, what was Gelsberg like 150 years ago? (laughs) He'd be like, it was boring then, it's boring now, Roger.
0: (laughs) Nothing's changed in 150
1: years. (laughs) But yeah, that's probably, that's probably who I would talk to right now
0: that would be yeah that would probably make for an interesting conversation
1: yeah yeah i mean two dorky old white dudes talking i mean <laughs> where's the downside
0: <laughs> no i can't see one yeah that would be interesting yeah
1: What's the well support? how can
0: how can people find you where can they find oh
1: you? Uh, i have a website um called PastorRogerButts.com. pastor
0: Roger rogerbutts okay
1: and Seeds of Devotion is uh, in, you know, I'm on Twitter and Facebook and all that. I'm not on Snapchat because I'm a hundred years old. Like what, What? like, I don't know what a Snapchat is. That's my kid's stuff <laughs> and TikTok I don't even know, but uh, PastorRogerButts.com, it's a new little website. And then I write at contemplativelight.org and I write on Medium and Seeds of Devotion is available at barnesandnoble.com and Amazon and bookshop and, you know, your local bookstore can find it. The UUA has a bookstore, which is really good, called In Spirit. It's available there.
0: Well, I will make sure I have your uh, website on the show notes and um, all that, and your your um, Facebook and LinkedIn and all that as well. So definitely.
1: Yeah. Well, Roger well, um,
0: thank you for being on the show today
1: I was it's really I, fun it's been fun and I enjoy your Ooh. southern accent even though you're from New York
0: <laughs> don't tell anybody I
1: know. From, <laughs> yeah. like hit the not recording button you know <laughs> but um yeah well thank you so much it's really been a blessing to spend time with you
0: it's been so much fun it really has it's been a been a hoot
1: yeah well thank you <laughs> we'll talk to you later okay
0: (laughs) thank you for joining me on another episode of butterfly kisses a journey of spiritual transformation if you like what you've heard please subscribe by hitting the subscribe button this way you won't miss it when a new episode is released also if you're interested in learning more about akashic record readings you can schedule a free 15 minute consultation with me by visiting my website at amygraycunningham.com again thank you and remember Always spread your gorgeous wings, my friend, and fly. Until next time, see ya.